Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside. But what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Yeah, another edition of the MMA Outsiders. Locked and loaded. And then this week, oh boy, do I mean loaded. A lot of craziness this week. Uh, this past week when it came to the headlines. A lot of craziness this week, too. Heading into a very stacked weekend of MMA boxing. Boxing is mixed, and I think it's more important than the MMA fights, too. Uh, a lot we got to get into today. Uh, first of all, Dan, I do want to say congratulations. You know, it is uh, quite the honor now that I am going to be co-hosting alongside a new member of the Bellator Rankings Committee. Yeah, um, I, I just wa- I just wanted to um, say this for those of you guys who don't know. Um, at, at, the, at the time of this recording, this, this will come out um, Wednesday morning. But at the time of this recording, it is official. I am a member of the Bellator Rankings panel um, representing BJPenn.com. I'm excited to uh, be a part of the team and uh, help Bellator grow and also get back to the sport. I think it's just another thing that I can add to my MMA portfolio of things that I've done over the last several years. So on top of covering events, I will also be part of the rankings panel. So shout out to Bellator and their PR staff there for letting me be part of the team. I'm excited to get started with Bellator 294 and 295 this weekend. And Tom, again, it's a pleasure to always host this show with you. And now I'll now I'll have a little bit more of a expertise, if you will, going forward. So I am very much looking forward to immersing myself in the world that is Bellator MMA just a little bit more now. So uh, thank you again for that kind uh, introduction and congratulations. Yes, of course. And shout out to Bellator. As you mentioned, shout out to Bellator for doing all that they do and giving Zan the opportunity. And like you said, Zan, they, you know, back in November, we were covering a Bellator card live when Bellator came to Chicago. And here's hoping, Zan, that this is just another step closer to that massive June card in Chicago that we'll probably cover live again. Oh, yeah. I already have I already have plans to be there at Wintrust on the 16th, and I'm very much looking forward to covering my second Bellator event and would arguably will be the biggest Bellator event of the summer, at least that is beneficially announced, but that is uh, that is further down the road. Um, but obviously that is something I'm very much looking forward to and just covering events a lot more, whether it's Bellator or another promotion. So just, just getting my feet wet and being able to do this as well has been really a thrill and being able to wear multiple different hats and still be myself at the same time. So it's been, it's been great. Yeah. All right, before we get started with all the big madness, uh, just make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell to all of the all of those of you who are watching our video feed, uh, which is our original home. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you who are listening to us on the audio-only platforms, make sure to go to youtube.com slash ETB network to uh, check out the video feed. And then if you don't want to see Xana Nice Faces, you have the audio-only platform, so if you want to take MMA Outsiders on the road with you, you can on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, and so much more. 
Also, make sure to follow us across the social media channels at MMA Outsiders ETB, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the Empty the Bench Network itself, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, as Zan introduced himself before, he is a staff writer of BJPen.com and the newest member of the Bellator Rankings Committee. You can find his work there, and you can follow him at ZanVano99. I am Tom Albano. You can find my work over at Bandsided MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Thomas J. Albano. All right, Zan. A lot we got to dive into on this episode of the MMA Outsiders. Uh, I would say this should be a week where we lead off with the previews instead, like one of those very rare weeks. But we just got, I mean, Zam, we're coming off of a week where we had to do a breaking news stream. We had all these updates. So I figure we need to go through the headlines first. And Zan, this is probably going to be the one that, I mean, we talked about it last week on the breaking news stream because the news dropped hours after our episode dropped. Go figure. But just to make note of it, because it was a massive story when it did drop. Jake Paul, Nate Diaz is official August 5th, Dallas in the boxing world. Yes, Nate Diaz's first fight away from the UFC will be in the boxing in the boxing world. It'll be him versus Jake Paul. It is the money fight that both have been asking for. And it's going to be eight rounds. It's going to be at 185 pounds. They're going to wear the 10-ounce gloves. Uh, and it's going to be at the American Airlines Center. And then, I mean, what else can we say that we haven't talked about on that breaking news stream? Which, by the way, if you missed, uh, it's available to watch on our YouTube channel. It's available to watch on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Uh, but Dan, I mean, like we kind of applied in that last, in that, uh, last week's breaking news stream, this is the fight that Nate Diaz was clamoring for at the end of UFC 279, threatening to go into boxing and quote, show the other fighters how it's done. Basically implying that, you know, he would like to take out Jake Paul. Jake Paul suffered his first defeat to Tommy Fury, but he still hasn't been knocked out yet. But Zan, if Jake Paul is going to go and lose to Nate Diaz, this is the kind of fight, you know, where if his professional boxing run ends, it's it's going to be on a bang of a fight. Oh, for oh, sure. I mean, I really, think... the biggest update from uh, last week that that now we can finally say is uh, is um, Dana White at the UFC Kansas City Post by Presser basically um, was asked about the fight and what he thinks of it, and basically just said that he hopes that they make a zillion dollars. And that's really it was his only comment uh, reg- regarding the fight between these two, um, both of whom more so Diaz he's had more history with. But that's beside the point. Uh, the point I'm trying to make here is uh, is outside of what we spoke about last week. I think we made our predictions very clear. We're both picking Nate Diaz to win this fight. Um, I'm pretty sure both of us have this going the distance. But I just think this is one of those fights where. I think personally, you're more excited about the buildup of what this fight is going to be mm-hmm. versus the actual fight itself. And uh, we, we, and and I'm just going to say this now: this isn't confirmed, but uh, if I'm if I'm able to be the recovering that in some capacity, that'll be one of the most surreal sporting events all I've ever been to. But that's neither that's neither here nor there. But I will say though that uh, if you're thinking about um, going. Texas or buying your tickets, uh, I'd say do so as soon as they go on sale because I think this thing is going to sell pretty quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the fight itself is one thing, but the buildup is probably going to be, Zan, imagine what a press conference with these two is going to look like. The trash. Oh my, oh my goodness. Not just what a press conference would look like, but imagine what two press conferences is what it looked like because they able to do the initial one and then the one of the they did so both of them are going to be action packed and you have Ariel and Wani also being a part of it so it should be a it shouldn't be a circus of sorts but it should be something where you know as I alluded to a week ago twice this is not the third time I'm saying it but it's true I'm going to keep preaching to the choir until the week of the fight this is one of those fights where you're not just going to get the hardcore boxing fans to watch this fight. You're not just going to get the hardcore MMA fans in to watch this fight. You're going to get people from multiple walks of life. You're going to get, uh, you're going to get celebrities. You're going to get YouTubers. You're going to get influencers in their own right. They're going to be interested. I just think that these two are crossover stars. Where it's like, if you're not watching this fight on August fifth, what are you? What are you doing? That kind of that kind of thing. So I have two concerns about this fight. However, Zan, all I know, all I know. Well, let me get, I'll get to the serious one second. Let me get to the non-serious one, the non-serious one first. So Dana said, I hope they make a gazillion dollars, right? Well, with the news that we're going to cover about the potential UK card uh, just being a fight night, and that leaves a August pay-per-view open, you don't think Dana's playing with the idea of maybe trying to counter this card with a UFC pay-per-view on this night, do you? Oh, I could very well see it, and it could definitely be a UFC versus affliction situation that, ironically, we had in late July, early August of, uh, of I believe it was 2008, which is pretty crazy to think about. It might it might have even been earlier than that. I think it was either 07 or 08. Uh, but, yeah, I could very well see something like this materializing or – you're right. The UFC has done late August cards um, in the or early August cards in the past, but that that leads me to my next point. They've also done late August cards in the past, um, the same weekend as Week Zero of college football. So you never know what they're trying to play with in terms of scheduling. Also, I do think for from an ESPN perspective, it would be a smart business move, just considering that this Jake Paul Nate Diaz fight is exclusive to the zone. The zone won the rights for this fight, and it seems like, as far as I know, the only thing that ESPN will be playing with is more than likely the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But anything past 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 p.m. Eastern, there's going to be nothing to watch. So it, it makes a logical sense from a business perspective to have a UFC pay per view uh, on that on that very night. Most likely UFC 290 when if they go the fight night route. Uh, in in the UK, uh, um, presuming they would. And Zan, you actually hit on my second point. My second point was going to be that this, my second concern, my more serious concern is that it's going to be on the zone, which, and I'm not talking about the zone, the streaming service on its own. I'm talking about the extra paywall, the kind of the, you mentioned ESPN Plus, that kind of model, the you have to purchase a a zone subscription and a pay-per-view just to get it or if you purchase the you could probably just purchase the pay-per-view itself but it's probably going to be at a higher price yeah and- so so i can give you an example um mm-hmm. for that i know we're not on this topic yet but for example to zone subscribers like you and myself we only have to pay 60 bucks to watch uh tank davis versus ryan garcia whereas the entire rest of the world 
who doesn't have the zone has to pay upwards of nearly $100 to see that fight. It could be a very similar situation here. And, and the other thing you mentioned, then is the fact that it's not ESPN that has the um, that has the rights to the uh, car, the card with Nate Diaz and Jake Paul. And you would think, Zan, with the kind of history that the UFC has with uh, ESPN. Now, granted, I I know Nate Diaz is not under contract, but that plus Jake Paul just fighting Tommy Fury on the ESPN Plus pay per view platform back in February. You would have thought that maybe they would have been the favorites to land this fight. But no, DeZone comes and gets it, which I mean is good for DeZone, but it's a risk. If this pay-per-view flops in any way, Zan, then DeZone's, any chances that DeZone has of bringing itself to the level of the ESPN pluses, to the level of being a leader in, you know, streaming as a streaming service in combat sports, as it was trying to be right before the pandemic, it's all going to be completely up in smoke. I mean, if you look at just the zone lineup leading up to August 5th, that's for the summer, it's nothing special, which really makes this fight um, a must-sell and a, and a fight where it must be successful in order for zone to keep going and putting on these multi-million dollar fights. Because if you look at the schedule, like minus the Katie Taylor fight and minus the Canelo fight, there's nothing this summer that they have scheduled at the moment uh, th- that's worth watching except for this on their own platform. So this makes this fight a much bigger deal than I think a lot of people realize from a, from a business slash streaming perspective uh, as well. So very, very good point uh, there. Hey, hey. And you have to remember, you got to promote the living hell out of this, which I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure Jake Paul and Nate Diaz themselves are going to. And then secondly, you know, you got to make it very easy for people to to buy. You can't make them go through all the hoops. I know, Zan, that with the streaming service, you know, for people like our age, you know, it's fine and dandy. But anybody who is struggling with the streaming services, this one might be a little tough. Well, actually, I think this fight would also be on in-demand. So anyone who would want to buy it through their TV, they probably could. Because if you I notice, know. if, you, if you notice the the Dizone boxing pay-per-views are a little bit more lenient with the other ways outside of Dizone in order to watch it. So there's also the, that option too. I don't know for sure if it's on in-demand, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they end up doing is another alternative. That's at least what they're doing for the fight this weekend with Tank and Garcia and with the Canelo Ryder fight. So you never, sure. you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true. I'm sorry I'm constantly turning my head. The Rangers and Devils are on right now, and the Rangers just made a 2 nothing before the halfway mark of the first period. So, Oh, oh no, it's all good. I mean, <laughs> for, those of you, for those of you who have been living under a rock, the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs just got underway in the last several days. The NHL is a Monday night. The NBA as of eight last week. So as you guys can tell, it's a sports extravaganza with NBA and NHL going on, with a ton of fights going on. There's always something to watch on almost a nightly basis, and that's at this time of year is arguably the best time of year in all of, in all of American sports. That is every single year. And if you guys can't tell, Tom is a is a New York. Rangers fan. I, on the other hand, am a Chicago Blackhawks fan. They are not in 
Um, they're not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Those are all of his allegiances. So in, ca- in case you were curious, he's New York sports all the way, and I, I am Chicago sports all the way. That shirt is very cool. Chicago has not gotten up to the level of making a shirt like that, but I, I, I personally think that that's very cool. Yeah, one of the best gifts I've ever gotten is this is this kind of shirt. Uh, but yeah, just to wrap up that segment, Sam, I mean, I, I'm excited for that fight. Yes, I'm actually excited for AJ Paul fight for once, just simply because, not because of him, but because of Diaz. I, I agree with you that this is probably going to be a Nate Diaz win, but I think the biggest point of all of them is it's a must-sell. It it must sell and it must be a success if you're zone. Otherwise, it's not looking good for that company's future. Uh, moving for on sure. to moving for on sure. to uh, another topic that we talked about last week on our breaking news live streams. In so John Jones versus Steve Amiochik uh, will not take place at UFC 290. Now we don't have a, con- a confirmation, but it looks likely that Volk. Uh, Yair, the undisputed featherweight title fight, will be the headliner of that International Fight Week pay-per-view card. Uh, but ever since we did that breaking news live stream, Sam, we have had a couple of updates. We have seen some uh, some war of words spurred on social media between Stipe Miocic and John Jones. Or Stipe is asking Jones about, you know, why you're running. And John, and John Jones is like, I'm not running. I still want to fight you. But then, Zan after the Kansas City card, put out a little teaser, Mr. Jones did, said, you know, it would be great if I could have my retirement fight knocking out Stipe in my home, in my home of, uh, of New York, even though he fights, John Jones fights his camp out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was born and raised in New York. Stipe Miocic has never fought in New York. So, Zan, I put the, I put the tease out there last week on our breaking news stream that, you know, oh, what if they did this at Madison Square Garden? Well, after that tease I made on Wednesday, Zan, I can say that all did it. And after that tease that John Jones put on Twitter, Dana White confirmed at the post-fight press conference for UFC Kansas City that Madison Square Garden is now being looked at to host the John Jones-Stipe fight, which Zan, I think I would be a little more forgiving of the UFC not making Jones Stipe at UFC 290 if they put it at the Garden. Yeah, which means uh, as at the time of this recording, uh, you're going to have to start making plans to to maybe uh, be there because I don't think you I don't think you want I don't think you want to miss that even if it means you were sitting all the way up in the nosebleeds as long as you're as long as you're there you'd want to you'd want to be there right. I know. It, it's like one of the one fights that would sell me to get to the Garden and pay the freaking hundred... I'd say it's not even a hundred dollars. <laughs> the UFC, yeah, it, UFC it, ticket prices are something, man. Yeah, it'll be it'll be more... It'll, it'll be, I think it'll be on the level of prices that was uh, for a McGregor 3, but I could be... I could be wrong. I was lucky enough to be at that historic fight um, myself, but um, back, to, back to your point... Um, I think it's hilarious because speaking of the post-fight press conference, of course, um, Nolan King, uh, sh- shout out to him for asking this question, you know, asked Dana what was going on with the negotiations. And uh, 
He's like, this is this is where everything is taken out of context. I never, I never said that. <laughs> and it's like, of course, the whole UFC circus starts to get right. So you already, you already know there's gonna be there's gonna be conflict until the days and weeks leading up to this fight. And if we can get to the MSG card unscathed, considering how long it's taken for this fight to happen, I think it'll be a miracle within itself. So, um, yeah. Yeah, um, early prediction if the it does happen is Jones to win in the fourth round by TKO. But I'm not holding my breath for, for no, upset either. Me being a Midwesterner, I really do want to see Stipe win. It would it would be fantastic if he was the one to spoil Jones's homecoming, if you will. But it, and I mean, who doesn't who doesn't want to see the, this fight, right? Which leads me to believe that uh that uh that um a little someone out there uh. Francis Ngannou might be watching uh, a little bit, a little bit closely because at the moment we've heard uh, we've heard crickets from the former heavyweight champion. So uh, th- this fight is going to have a lot riding on it, and who knows, maybe Francis will tweet, uh, "Show me, sh- show me the money," and or something, or something like that. Yeah, but then I mean, if if imagine though, if it's true that the Stipe fight is going to be Jones's last in MMA, I mean. At that point, Sam, would you? At that point, it's kind of like a blown opportunity, and that's a little bit of my concern. Is you know, I want this fight to take place, whether it's two ninety, whether it's Garden. I, I we you know we lost one big heavyweight fight in Jones versus Ngannou. Probably going to be the biggest blown fight of two thousand and twenty three to take uh, from the MMA awards that uh, Fansided would always do. Shout out, Amy. Uh, but the other thing, Zan, is well, I mean, so we lost uh, John Jones versus Francis. I don't want to lose John Jones versus Stipe. We, I don't want to lose the one of the goats of MMA versus the greatest heavyweight that the UFC has ever seen. We, we can't afford to lose that again. Well, I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna go on record in saying that I do not think this is just a guess, but I, I do not think that. Uh, this will be Jones' his last fight. I think he has one more after this. It's just a matter of who it's going to be against, where it is, and what and what UFC it will be. Because I, saw- I think, because I think, I think they're they're connecting the dots that if Jones wins, they're going to drag this out, and he's going to. After they said they would never do this again, they're going to they're going to drag this out. And if he wins um, at the Garden, um, assuming that that's where it's going to be, they're going to drag this out, and they will try in their hardest of hardest that they can. I'm calling this right now, almost a year in advance. Jones, Jones will be headlining UFC 300. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say hey, right here, right now, Jones will be headlining UFC 300, and it will be for a belt. Zan. Two things. Number one, something interesting here is you're saying, oh, they're going to drag this one out. Here's my thought process. If we're teasing an MSG main event, you know, already in, in, because MSG would always hold the cards in November. Right. You don't think if we're teasing that kind of fight already in April that the MSG card will actually be in November? The reason I ask this is because. I remember, I think it was at the end of last year, the start of this year, Zan, there was an early report that they were considering flipping the schedule starting this year, that the Garden would host a spring or summer card and Barclays would get 
but start getting the fall card. Wait a second. Back to your original point. Could this, in your in your opinion, could this fight take place the same oh, night as this? Oh my god! <laughs> could you could you could you imagine? Then I, then I don't know if I can go to the card because I don't want to pass up on Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. Could you could you imagine? Oh my god, that would be cruel. <laughs> that would be both awesome and cruel for fight fans. That might be one of the biggest crossover nights in the history of fighting purity. <laughs> All right, let me go to your prediction, Zan. Okay. If, if he headlines UFC 300, who is it more likely against? Okay. Francis Ngannou? Or somebody else that Jones has previously called out, Zan? And considering that there was a certain Endeavor WWE deal recently. <laughs> no Brock Lesnar. <laughs> well, hey, if anybody can make it, if anybody can make a deal with Dana White and Vince McMahon, and look at what, look at what they've done. I think, as of right now, if I were a betting man, I would put, I would put, if 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 it, if it existed on the books, and I had a choice to pick between. Francis Ngannou or Brock Lesnar or John Jones' opponent, you better believe I'm betting on Brock Lesnar to headline UFC 300 versus John Jones. Not picking him to win, but to have in that card against John Jones. You want to talk about UFC 300, which is insane to even think about how close we are to that? That's the, that's the fight that has to happen. I'm not trying to discredit Francis versus Jones, but I think, I think there would be a lot more crossover appeal if, uh, if Brock Lesnar returned to MMA for the first time since 2016. I, I just had to throw that crazy theory out there. I couldn't resist. <laughs> hey, granted what's going on. You never, you never, you never know. This could be a power play, a power place. So, um, yeah, uh, no, uh, no, no pun intended there, of course, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of power and speaking of craziness, Zan, Let's talk about another big headline that has kind of been eating up the headlines as of late. So UFC 288, Zan, suffers a power blow. Charles Oliveira, Benil Darius, Oliveira has reportedly, according to ESPN Deportes, suffered a minor injury that is going to basically restrict or not allow him to train up into the fight. So they are taking this fight off. Of 288, which is a devastating blow because, all right, here's where it gets a little tricky. Um, we've got all these different re- mixed signals, Zan, about what could happen here. Because as of right now, Zan, the co-main event of UFC 288 is Jessica Andrade versus uh, Jan Genoun. But Dana has claimed he is trying to get a new main co-main event for UFC 288. And one Gilbert Burns has been blowing up his phone, as has one Israel Adesanya, who just won the, you know, won back his middleweight title 10 or so days ago. And then you've got, uh, Benil, you got a report from ESPN Deportes that they're going to simply postpone the fight, maybe try to get it to the Canada card to give that card, you know, a little boost under Amanda Nunes, um, Juliana Pena three, 
which is also which is also what Aaron Bronstevin reported as well. Correct. So, so there could be some validity to that, but yeah, as you said, very very confusing. Very um, I'm, I'm picturing like uh, what's it called? So yeah, you, you you have your blinkers on at a car, and I think both blinkers are going off, and then there's blinkers pointing forward, north and south that are going off, and I'm like, I I don't know what the UFC's plan is here. Yeah, um, I think personally, what they should do is they should postpone it to UFC 289. What do you what do you what do you think? If Agreed. they can, if, if they can, if Oliver can can do it, if Oliver, but can I, do it. I but I but I also think it would make more sense to do it on UFC 290, how many people are complaining that the card isn't strong enough. Yeah, but at the same rate, Zan, I mean, look at your next two pay per view headliners. You got Aljamain Sterling, Henry Cejudo, which I think, Zan, Henry Cejudo is the eye appeal of that card. As much as I enjoy watching Aljamain Sterling fight, you know, he and he is one of the, ta- you know, he is the champion at 135 pounds. You know, Henry Cejudo is triple C. He is one of the very few who has held division titles in two weight classes in the UFC. He has been a champ champ. And he did kind of retire Zan at a point that felt a little premature. At the same rate, Zan, I don't know if I want, you know, all due respect in the world to Jessica Andrade and all respect in the world to uh, Jan Janown, you know, and their women's uh, strawweight contenders fight. I really don't know if I want that to be a pay-per-view co-headliner, especially for a fight like Sterling versus Cejudo. I think I want a little more oomph to it. But Zan, that pales in comparison to the fact that 289 needs a boost because, again, we asked it last week, Zan, and I asked again, why the hell are we doing uh, Nunez Pena 3? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to our original point. If you, obviously, now it's no longer going to happen because uh, Pereira is moving up to 205. But if you were considering doing a rematch for Adesanya Pereira again in MMA, um, I mean, I mean, it just it, it goes to show that their theory of uh, doing a trilogy or not or not doing a trilogy, um, it's kind of a mixed bag, which also leads me to my next point and a point that uh, will probably never happen now. And it's very sad for me to say, but it's like if you're going to do Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena number three, then it blows me away to this day that we never got Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz number three. I know, I know, I I, I agree. But I, I but I, I I totally understand where you're coming from, and obviously we're not here to preview that fight today. But even two months out, almost two months out to the day of the fight, and uh, it just leads me to believe that that fight's going to go. It's not going to go any differently than how the second fight went, which is even more unfortunate. Which also means that you know this main event, you know, being off two eighty eight. Is a bummer, but if 289 really needs a boost and Oliver is healthy, they have to make sure that that fight happens. Because if you look at 289 holistically with who they have right now, it, it is not up to par with pay per views that they've had in the past, and quite frankly, not even close. So, so um, Sam, a little yeah. bit of a uh, a little bit of a hot take, a little bit of a hot take, because you did mention recently. It's like I, I forget how many episodes ago, but we were talking about this fight, and we were like. Uh, about Sterling Cejudo, that is. And you're like, oh, well, I mean, that's even if Sterling, you know, shows up and doesn't pull out again. Zan, with the kind of circumstances that 288 has, they can't let that happen. 
Because here's a hot take for you, Zan. If Sterling versus Cejudo does not, you know, for some reason within the next week is going to be off for one reason or another, I think the UFC, as much as I hate saying this for a local, well, somewhat local kind of card, tri-state area, then New Jersey hasn't had a UFC pay-per-view in a long while. If if something happens to Sterling versus Cejudo, I don't think you can go through with 288. I think you're going to have to cancel. So for the first time since UFC 233, you think they would cancel UFC 288? I think they would. What other choice would you have? No, I agree. I'm just, I just wanted to just wanted to make clear what you were saying. So does yeah. that mean? That, so are you just saying they would scrap the entire card, or they would move the co-main event to the main event and move it to the apex for a UFC Fight Night card? I could also see them just for the sake of trying to get you know, especially if the ticket sales in Jersey are okay if they can try to salvage it into a fight night card. But I, that's still a bit of a blow. And Zan, this is a blow enough. I think losing this fight was worse than losing Sterling versus Cejudo. Well, just because of the implications at 155, is that is that why? The, the implications, the fact that Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush are two very talented lightweights. And, a, and lightweight, you know, as much as we talk about bantamweight, and bantamweight might be the best class right now. It might have superseded lightweight. Lightweight is still very talented. The implications, Oliveira being the former champion. Uh, and, you know, Cejudo, with all due respect, and he is a selling point, but he hasn't fought in about, you know, three or so years. I, this is a blow. This is a bad blow to lose Oliveira versus Dariush. Yeah, and you know that the UFC is probably scrambling and working around the clock to make sure that 288 does not get canceled. Um, I have to ask, because um, I actually don't know who this answer. Were you ever considering going to UFC 288 to begin with? Uh, firstly, no. And secondly, after losing this, I'm kind of glad I made that decision. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad for you, too. But I just wanted to make sure because it would be a bummer if you had tickets and then you and, the, and you found out that this that this happened. So. Yeah, this is the this is the unfortunate nature of you know the MMA sphere. Uh, as far as what the UFC could be cooking, I mean, Zan, as you mentioned, Gilbert Burns is kind of blowing up the phone, calling out Colby Covington to essentially put the number one contender status on the line. We'll get to Colby in just a little bit because we're going to talk about Leon in just a second. Um, Gilbert had seemingly called out. Um, Bilal Muhammad, but Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert was apparently mad that Bilal, you know, wanted a catchweight fight. Bilal is claiming that, obviously, Zan, that this is true, that we are coming off of Ramadan. Ramadan is finishing up, and Bilal Muhammad, uh, Bilal Muhammad, uh, observes Ramadan, which means this is kind of like the Khabib thing, Zan, where he doesn't fight during Ramadan because, and Bilal actually explained in a tweet that. Because he doesn't eat during the day, because with Ramadan, you don't eat until sundown. Basically, he doesn't go as hard in training. And obviously, he hasn't had, had the ability to do the weight, uh, the weight stuff yet, the weight cutting. Very, very well said. Um, I mean, the, th- the thing is, is, you know, I mean, I, I, I have to admit it, and um, I'm excited for you to play it, but I guess uh, 
with with the with the with news this bad, and I'm trying not to laugh when I say this, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes oh, okay, hang on one second. Here, where is it? Uh, let me check off the loop box so that way it doesn't start looping over and over again. But Sand, yes, this is a case where. One more time there, buddy. I know I said I'd turn off loop, but one more time. Sometimes these things happen in MMA. Unfortunately, this is nature of the sport. Yeah, I mean, Tom, at this point, to salvage the fight, realistically, do you see this taking UFC 289? And please, I, I, I apologize. I was half paying attention. What was your previous question regarding uh, regarding Gilbert Burns and him and, and him uh, oh, with this call that, that, that's Basically, saying you know what the heck is the point? Like what the heck are they going to do? What if Gilbert Burns is truly going to be in a new co- new very short notice co main event? What could they do with him? Because he's calling out the law, which but the law, like we said, uh, says he doesn't want to take fights right now because he has had the full training because of Ramadan, which Zan actually might kind of uh, explain why we've been talking about Bilal Muhammad being the, uh, you know, the odd man out in the 170 pound discussion because he's been coming off of Ramadan and hasn't had the full fight, you know, full training experience yet. Um, that, could very, that could very well be the case considering that people who do practice that do not eat from some... I used to sundown. That's so why Zana was it, always a rule. It was always a rule for Khabib when he was fighting. He would never fight during. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Colby Covington. But I mean, if you're Colby, here's the situation where, where if you're Colby and I'll get to this, Zan, when we talk about the Leon Edwards <laughs> news in just a second, because there's a situation on that kind of front, too. If you're Colby. And you've got this opportunity here. And Dana calls you and says, you know, Gilbert Burns needs a fight. I need a co-main event. You know, if, if you're Colby and you take that fight and you lose, your number one contendership might probably be, is probably going away. At the same time, here's Dana basically saying you got the number one contendership when everybody is criticizing the fact that you got the number one contendership because, you know, you've always accepted fights and they just haven't worked out. You know, you were the fill-in for the... um. You were to fill in for the UK, like you flew because you flew to the UK and made the weight as the backup fighter, even though you weren't needed. If you're Colby, is the risk worth the reward? Or do you basically with the fact that Dana has been hyping him as a guy who, you know, is going to get the next title shot in an unpopular opinion, has been a constant go to guy. Do you have to take a fight with Gilbert Burns if Dana calls? Before answering that question, I just think it's hilarious that. Colby Covington is one in one in like a year and a half, and we're still discussing him for the welterweight title shot when he's already had his chances to begin with. That's that's another discussion for another day. I we'll, get to, we'll get to that in just a little second. We'll get to that in just a second. No, no, no I, I I know, but to, an, to answer your original question, if I'm Colby Covington and I get the call from Boss Man asking to take the Gilbert Burns fight, I say. I say absolutely. Where do I? Where do I sign on the dotted line? And I guarantee you, if that fight gets made for New Jersey, there's going to be a lot more demand for people to go to that card because that is a massive co-main event. If, if that can get on short notice, and it would just be 
probably one of the best press conferences in recent memory that would that would oh happen. God. I didn't think about that. Colby Covington and Henry Cejudo on the same side of the of the podium, playing the heels as they normally do. The cringy heels at that. Well said. Uh, let me flip over to the other topic because we're on Colby at this point. So let's talk about the welterweight scene. So we had kind of alluded to that the UK, the plan for the UK pay-per-view card, the second one in July, is kind of falling apart at the seams. And that is because in a Sky Sports interview, Leon Edwards basically said, unless he gets a very big payday, he will not fight in the UK in July. He is instead eyeing his second title defense to take place in October in Abu Dhabi. So Dana White kind of alluding at the Kansas City press conference that the plans to make a summer London pay-per-view card now seem to be off. And in fact, Zan, if you listen to that interview again on Sky Sports and the follow-up report since then, we talked about if it was a pay-per-view, it would be on July 29th. It seems like it's going back now to its original July 22nd date, and it will just be a fight night at the O2 Arena, which again opens up the possibility of an August card, August pay-per-view card, as we talked about. But I mean, here's what I'm going to say on the Leon thing, because there's one big problem, Dan. Like, I, I, I understand he would want a big payday, or he would look to fight outside of the UK, but... I mean, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. The reason they were trying to make that fight, Sam, we talked about it last week, was UK versus US in July. You know, hometown hero face versus the kind of heel that Colby is. After the 4th of July, too. Yeah. There's that, there, there's that element to it. Yeah. So I understand. I guess I kind of get what the UFC was doing, but I also kind of get that Leon is already pissed off enough that Colby Covington is getting the next shot because, as we alluded to, Zan, he hasn't fought since the win over Masvidal at 272 in March of 22. Um, but here's the thing about the Abu Dhabi card. You know, as much as the UFC stacks it, like, you know, the lower weight classes go first and then the heavier weight classes for multiple title fights. You know, this would be one of those rare cases where it wouldn't have to, it couldn't be that way. Leon Edwards would have to be a co-main event. As I kind of alluded to last week or two weeks ago, whenever we talked about and we played matchmaker, the, the UFC is not going to take Islam Makashev out of plans for a main event in Abu Dhabi in October. They are not. No, no they won't. They're, they're obviously going to build the entire card around him, too, considering that they're bringing him back to Abu Dhabi for the first time as the UFC lightweight champion. There, there's, You're right. There's no way in the world that they. It can ruin those plans, considering that it's Abu Dhabi showdown week that same week, and everyone who's going to be there is more than likely going to be rooting for Makachev, and that would be a that would be a blow to the people over in the UAE, and there would be a lot of very angry, um, rich people, so or to speak, if Islam Makachev was not on yeah. their their coveted October Abu Dhabi card, which has now become a tradition since about 2020 or so. So. And not just not on the card, but not, I would just say Zan as little as not the main event. So, I mean, if you're, if you're Dana, Leon and Colby are going to have to hate to hear this or whoever Leon would fight as number one contender. But if that takes place in Abu Dhabi in October, I'm saying if I'm Dana, if I'm Dana talking to these guys, fine, but you got to take some sort of cut because 
you're not going to be main. You're going to be co-main. Yeah, I'm not moving Islam Makashev, Zan, especially if it's going to be Islam Makashev versus Dustin Poirier or Islam Makashev versus Justin Gaethje for a title of hell. Even Islam Makashev versus Benil Dariush. Or, or the outlier Islam Makashev versus Conor McGregor. <laughs> they are not going to have Conor McGregor do a one-month turnaround if he beats him <laughs> in September. They are not going to do that. <laughs> hey, a man a man can dream, right? <laughs> hang on, hang on. No. Also, also, what kind of dreams are you having, Zan? <laughs> well said. That is, even if they decide to do McGregor versus Chandler in September, which has not been confirmed either. Although, could you see? Oh. How about this? Could you see McGregor versus Chambers take place on August fifth instead of in September? They're not. It's no, we can't. It's still during the tough season, August fifth. The I thought. Th- oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Because the coaches can't fight before the. Oh yeah, that, that that makes sense. That would be that would be mass chaos. If that was if that was true. Also, also. Connor still hasn't taken any USADA test, but let's be let's be real, Sam. He's getting the exemption like Brock got seven years ago. No, no, of course. Um, but I will say this though: Could you see Leon Edwards? Um, we we talked about this last week. If Leon Edwards really doesn't want to fight, does Leon Edwards get stripped? And is it Gilbert Burns versus Colby Covington for the interim or or for the vacant welterweight title? Could you could you could you see that? I don't know if they would strip him on such quick notice. And I think it would be kind of BS to do that to Leon when he just fought last month. You no, know, we're, I, only month, we're only a month removed from him retaining the title against Usman. No, I, no I agree. Although uh, Colby Covington keeps calling him out like, oh, if he doesn't take the fight with me, they should strip him. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Stan, but, um, Stan. In the words of Tony Ferguson, Dana White privilege. That's very that's very well said. Um, nonetheless, do you think do you think Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington happens um, th- th- this year? Let alone uh, let alone in late July. Is it gonna Is it gonna happen this year? Leon Leon is going to. In my my hope is that Leon does make a second title defense in 2023. It's just a matter of against two because. I, I would say it would be Colby, but again, if Gilbert Burns is fighting on this card next month, all of a sudden in a in, you know in a sudden co-main event, then maybe the plans have got a hold at this point. Unless it's like Dana alluded to before, uh, before the two eighty-seven press conference that Gilbert, by way of his win over Masvidal, is just going to be in line, you know, for the title shot after Edwards versus Covington goes down. But I, I, I just, I don't know. It's a little too confusing. This 170 pound picture. Now that Gilbert Burns might be getting a uh, late notice co-main event slot. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Gilbert Burns cares. I, he wants to fight as much as possible. And uh, this isn't a name you haven't heard in years, but if Gilbert Burns does fight, he'd be entering Christoph Soshinsky territory and I know, I'm, uh, and I know I'm going back a little bit, but 
Christoph Soshinsky, a long time ago, did compete on UFC 97 and UFC 98 back-to-back pay-per-views in 2009, and he won both of them. But see if Gilbert Burns, if he does get a co-main event spot, could do the same thing about uh, about 13 or so years later, which is crazy to even think about. But I had to I had to throw that in there for any of the OGs listening at the moment because that is something that probably most people do not even know. So. So, Zan, actually, let me throw one last point before we get to our reviews and previews. Sure. Uh, the, let, me, let me take that kind of question that I had at the end of the last segment and put it here. Let's say somehow, some way, Leon and the UFC agree. You know, okay, we'll do an October card or even September if they're going to be co-headlining, you know, McGregor Chandler. And, and Leon says, okay, I'll take the cuts. And the UFC agree that'll be the co-main event under if you're Colby Covington, same kind of situation. After Dana has done all this hyping for you and saying you're always taking fights, do you turn down the cut just because, you know, you're not going to be the main event? Or is it still a situation where you have to take it? No, I think you have to take it. And Does Colby Covington seem like the guy, kind of guy who cares if he's the main event or co-main? Because in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I don't know him personally at all, so I don't want to speculate. But it seems to me like with the way he carries himself, I don't think I don't think we carry their way as 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 long as he's getting a as long as he's getting. You're saying that as long as he gets the title shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And a and a and a and a paycheck too, of course. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So I I guess that kind of answers my question there. All right. So I know we spent a good near 50 minutes on news, but like we said, this was a a bit of a crazy headline week. The fact that I had to do three MMA Outsider streams last week, our episode in our, you know, post fight for 287 and the breaking news. And I did seven streams in seven days, Zan. Absurd. But hey, you're a a workhorse, and that's the reason why Empty the Bench runs as as the machine um, that it does. And yeah, I mean, that that is still crazy and mind-boggling to even think about that that actually occurred. Uh, But Thankfully, we're past the cursed episode of 33, and now we're on to this one. And it seems to be, at the moment, um, at the moment, there hasn't been any news that is that is broken that I'm aware of. Uh, th- that would, that Dad, would be- don't say that. X stay on the other <laughs> please. We don't want this to turn into, you know, we had we made reference to 233 getting canceled. We don't want this to turn into 234 where all of a sudden... The main event pulls out hours before the car. No, I know. By the way, that two thirty four debacle is uh, is something in itself, isn't it? But it did it did create a star in Israel Adesanya, so I, I guess that was a that was a positive, and it was one of the last UFC pay per views to ever air on a linear pay per view before they went to ESPN Plus just two months later, where all of their pay per views were exclusively there. But nonetheless, we have a lot of previews to get into in a lot of, um, I guess, uh, streaming networks to talk about because uh, MMA and boxing are going to be all over the place yeah. um, this weekend. So I'm excited to definitely talk about these fights uh, coming up uh, for sure. All right, let's do a little review first, though, Zan. Let's talk about Kansas City, which I thought, Zan, early on was going to be a real stinker of a card when we had an awful judge's decision for Jocelyn Edwards and we had some referee screw-ups but Zan Max Holloway and Arnold Allen 
managed to put on quite the striking war with Holloway getting the unanimous decision win, as we kind of predicted last week. Um, Holloway, you know, I think Holloway's and I think Holloway was just landing the more effective strikes. However, there were circumstances where Allen just seemed to have a bit of a number and the finishing sequence was kind of insane how uh, Allen kind of wobbled Holloway and then Holloway knocked him down in the closing seconds. And if they, if Holloway had a little more time or if there was another round, I think Holloway could have gotten the finish. Yeah, for sure. If there was a little bit more time, he definitely could have, um, Tom, this may be a hot take, but I actually scored this fight four one for Holloway. How did you how did you have it? I had it. See, I don't know. I still don't know to this day how I would have scored that fifth round. And I, I had it at the time three to two, but now looking back on it, you know, because Holloway dropped Allen in those closing seconds, I guess that's what convinced you to give Holloway the round. Well said, and I and the only round I had for Allen was round three. Yeah, it was around round three that I gave Allen, that I gave Allen, but Holloway striking was just more effective. And yeah. then, as he kind of alluded to, maybe a little too much too soon for Allen. Granted, he put on a hell of a performance here. Yeah, and for it only being his first ever UFC loss, there's no moral victories in MMA, but to have your first loss be against one of the best featherweights the sport has ever seen, I think that's something that you could hang your hat on and get better at. Uh, from here, and I think Allen will do exactly that. He's one of the most exciting fighters in that division and one of the most exciting UK fighters um, to, to come out of there in a couple of years. And I think with a little bit more polishing of his game, has a chance to be a huge superstar in the next four to five years if things are done right. And for Holloway, it just goes to show that he's still right there. You mentioned every single time he fights. A triple A fighter. The quadruple A fighter, where he's always on the cusp. And as I alluded to in an assignment for graduate school a couple of days ago, once you run into the man, it's an uphill battle. And now it looks like if Volkanovski can get past Yara Rodriguez, Max Holloway will be running into the man again for a potential quadrilogy, which to me, Tom, from a, as a fan of the 145-pound division, you could give me Volk versus Holloway 100 times and I would not be disappointed. This is this performance showed me that he is still right there and one of the best featherweights in the sport, not only today, but one of the best featherweights of all time and a surefire UFC Hall of Famer without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, for certain. Uh, as far as a quadrilogy goes, then, I mean, I don't know. It, it was a 3 nothing. It's a 3 nothing sweep. Granted, the second fight was filled with a lot of controversy, but he... But Volkanovski clearly won that first and third fight. I don't know if you're going, you know, you can argue for a quadrilogy off of just one win, especially off against somebody, you know, who was coming up for your number one ranking, or I believe a number two ranking as uh, we just lost Sands camera for a second. Um, But with Holloway's kind of ranking, my point is I think Holloway still needs a couple more uh, wins to make the argument for the quadrilogy, and he threw out something very interesting, Zan, in the post-fight uh, interviews, calling out the Korean zombie Chen Sung Jung, who we assume had his last. Ch- uh, the Korean zombie had his last chance at a championship in the UFC last year, losing pretty cleanly to 
Alexander Volkanovsky. And now, and now it, it, it's assumed that the next fight that Korean Zombie fights is going to be his retirement fight. I mean, Zan, I can't think of a better way for the Korean Zombie to get a, a send-off than a fight that I have, you know, been nervous for as a fan of both guys, but a fan, but excited for in the same rate. Max Holloway versus Korean Zombie would be a really fun fight to me. Might have been oh. more fun a few years ago, but still fun now and a good send-off for Zombie. Absolutely. You want to talk about legendary words that Korean Zombie is, has been in? One that comes to mind is obviously Leonard Garcia in the WEC. This would be this would be another one of those. And yeah, if Holloway's down to do it and they want to do it in, in China, also, it would be an absolutely insane to go in. I think one of the biggest UFC international cards ever, or if they even do it in Japan, that would be that would be absurd. Um, but yeah, great performance by Holloway and Tom. Overall, this card, you know, after it would just felt very underwhelming going into it. This card was fantastic. The, yeah, there was some there were some really good fights on this card. A lot of entertaining finishes. Uh, um, Ed Her- uh, Ed Herman and Zach Cummings both retiring. That was that was probably the moment of the entire card. That's where the two of them fought. Had a good fight, and they both retire afterwards. Zan, how did you feel about Bill Algio, the next fight, and Clay Greta, the fight after that, doing fake retirements of sorts? I know Dana didn't like it, but personally, I thought it was absolutely hilarious and, and for some amazing social media content. What did you What did you think? I kind of had a chuckle with it. I mean, I guess I understand Dana's point of trying to not take away from the moment, but it is... But it did give me a little bit of a chuckle. And Clay Guida, I mean, I could have seen it being his last fight. Oh, I, I could I could have seen it being his last fight as well. And as we both said, Garcia was going to outclass him, and that's exactly what he did. And uh, without a doubt, that's Garcia's biggest win in terms of a, a reputable name of his entire career. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, shout out to Clay Guida for always hanging in there and always giving the fans what they paid for and, yeah, overall, it was a very entertaining card, and uh, they'll definitely be back to Kansas City or a place somewhere similar because I think they did good business there. It obviously was not a sellout, but the game was good and the fights were entertaining, and yeah, it was a good it was a good card. For yeah, sure. the, crowd, the crowd was pretty lively, and it, it was packed very early on. Usually, the people trickle in, but it was there was a quite a crowd even during the prelims. Yeah, and uh, given my experience, depending on how good the prelims. Or I usually trickle in halfway through myself. So that was a that was a surprising um, just to see the crowd into it. But hey, when you haven't been back to Kansas City in however long it's been, it's still pretty cool. So um, yeah, sure. good. Call. I do think good I, do- I, I gotta give it. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say about the uh, Dana and uh, his comment. I do think you know combine this with what we talked about with the two eighty seven press conference. He's been a little uptight as of late. Yeah, yeah, I think um I don't know. So this is just speculation. I I think personally that he's being told to to maybe run a tight ship because there's a there's a new sheriff in town with this new TKO thing and I was gonna say I was gonna ask if you think this is some Ari Emanuel influence. I, I think I think I think there's I don't know if it's Ari, but there's some influence or some someone to like, hey, you gotta be you gotta be careful 
is because they know they know that the MMA media, maybe not us two, we're pretty we're pretty smart, but they know that there no. are some MMA media members that know a lot more than they think they know, and that's probably what they're what they're worried about. So, Zen, Zen, swear. Vince McMahon actually is going to be one of Dana White's bosses. After all, he is going to imagine a UFC press conference and Vince McMahon walks out. <laughs> that would be that would be a spectacle that I would. Uh, that would be I one would, of the most real things I've ever seen in my life. I would be I would be praying the night before or praying weeks before that I was somehow there to witness that with my own with my own own two eyes because I think I would be more so in awe than anything. I don't know. I don't know if I would have any questions. I would just want to, I would just want to watch it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Overall, good card. I have to give this card. I, I'm actually going to be generous and give it and give it a solid A. I really, I really, I really, I really like this card. I think the couple of bad refereeing and judging early on kind of brought it kind of brought it down for me a little bit. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed 287, though. I'd probably say, if I'm being generous, it's the same A- minus B plus kind of range I gave 287. Okay, well, was this the best UFC fight night card of the year? As far as I can tell off the top of my head, probably. But, Sam... I'm scared because I'm looking at that April 29th card uh, at the Apex, and it looks like such crap. But you know what that means, Zan. The fights are going to be unbelievable. <laughs> it's going to become the fight card of the year. <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, I mean, hey, when you got uh, when you got Song Yudong as the headliner, there's no way that that fight isn't going to be is oh, going to be boring. Right. I forgot they made that official. The new main yeah, event. They- they, they, did. they did. Right. That's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> that might be. I, 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 I can't believe I'm saying this, but that might be the greatest fight in the history of UFC Fight Night Apex history. And I'm not. And, I, and I'm not. And I'm not joking about that either. <laughs> this is this is Dana White. That that was Dana White putting up a hail mary. And well, I mean, they have it. You know. They have it. It's on target now. It's just onto them to deliver the touchdown in the cage on April 29th. No, that's very well said. Another another Apex uh, Never Die card coming up here in about a week or so. <laughs> Apex, Apex, Apex. Uh, we also had the PFL closing out their first uh, leg of the regular season. Olivier Alvin Mercier versus Shane Burgos. Not the kind of fight I was expecting. I was expecting more of a striking war like we saw with Holloway and Allen. But OAM, you know, they were more calculated, which I could kind of understand. But once OAM Zan kind of got uh, to Burgos's back in the second round, it just it seemed to be, you know, all OAM. Although Shane Burgos kind of had a scare in those closing seconds where, you know, kind of like what we said with Holloway. That if 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 uh, Burgos had like another minute or so, maybe he could have pulled off that unbelievable finish of Ove Mercier, and I would have gone absolutely <laughs> nuts if he had pulled that off. Yeah, which would have been without a doubt the craziest PFL finish in the history of PFL. But uh, but yeah, overall a good performance by OAM. Obviously a rough first three weeks for the PFL, but let's see if they can bounce back 
in the next couple of weeks when they have all those shows in Atlanta. But uh, yeah, good um, good main event. Uh, I'm going to be entirely transparent and tell you that I missed the entire card. I did catch the highlights uh, said, after said, the yeah after the fact. But uh, but but yeah, uh, um, I mean it, from the from the looks of it, the, the undercard was very entertaining. So I was just, well, remember this was a weird circumstance where we had post limbs and no prelims, but. Yeah, even the post limbs from what I saw, very entertaining. The main card itself was quite yeah. Meaning, this was, this was what definitely, I mean. sorry, Zan. This is definitely the best event of the first string of events for the twenty twenty three season. This was kind of like you said, it's still a disappointing first leg, but this was kind of a better note to end on. Yeah, what I meant by what I meant by undercard was the undercard of the main card. I, I knew. That I, I I knew that there were post limbs. I was using the word undercard inter, interchangeably in a in a in a sense there. Uh, so hopefully that clears that up. But yeah, good performance by OAM, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where the PFL goes from here with their next leg of shows, which actually should get better considering who is uh, who's still left and what's to what's to come. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go into our previews, Zan. A lot we got to talk about here. Let's talk about Zan. The big one, the big kahuna. No, not the Bellator Hawaii cards. Shivata Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia for the WBA regular lightweight championship because the WBA still, I mean, credit that it's getting rid of all its interim titles, but we still got to have the super and the regular and the... Do they do the silver or do they do the gold? I think that, or they do both. Um, yeah, they, they do both, but don't they put more emphasis on the silver one for whatever yeah. reason? Yeah. So don't be surprised, Dan, when we have next the interim WBA, the interim WBA uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored, of course. By Zupa Boxing. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, oh, if we're going to have it sponsored by Zupa Boxing, that means we got to have it sponsored by Crypto.com as well. And, it's Prime. Uh, Fort Prime. Fortune favors the brave. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, <laughs> they reinvest back into corn nuts too. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the time the UFC had corn nuts as a sponsor. <laughs> corn nuts powered to the core. <laughs> oh, you got me! You got me in a mood today. Uh, back, back to the order of business here. I think I've told you this for about two months. Tom, I I have been so excited for this fight. You have absolutely no idea. I cannot I cannot wait. This is this is gonna be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I can't I can't wait because I uh because I think that Javante Tank Davis. For those of you who don't know him right now during this podcast episode, if you watch the fight on Saturday, I I I'm almost certain ninety nine point nine percent certain that you will know Tank Davis is. By the time the fight is over Saturday night at, at T-Mobile in Vegas, I just think that his confidence is at all-time high. I think that I think that he's in Garcia's head. Uh, Garcia is very impressive, but I don't think he has the resume that Tate Davis does. He's looked very impressive in his last couple of fights, 
especially is not going against Raleigh Romero was very impressive. I, I, I just think Davis is on a whole nother level. And I actually think he gets it done within the first eight rounds, very entertaining fight, but I just think tank Davis, uh, has a no care attitude, and I think he's going to go in there looking to viciously hurt Garcia. And I'm not saying Garcia can't give him a good fight because he can. I just think that Tank's level of confidence and just uh, just energy and the way he's carried himself. I mean, I mean, even uh, even the even the grand arrivals from briefly what I uh, what I was looking at saying he just looks loose and ready to go. The the stare downs a couple months ago. I just think he's in a different zone and I and I think he's going to show it on Saturday again Tank Davis round eight TKO it should be a fight for the ages and uh I I think I think you're going to see a lot of happy people on one side and a lot of angry Garcia fans on the other so I mean it is an undefeated versus undefeated battle over a championship you know this is the kind of fight you want for boxing uh Garcia currently I believe ranked number six by ESPN in the in their uh, lightweight boxing rankings. Uh, uh, Garcia is the actually former interim WBC lightweight champion. Seventh round uh, finish of Luke Campbell at the start of 2021. Then didn't fight for about 15, uh, yeah, 15 months. Uh, coming off, coming into this fight off two wins in 2022, a decision over Emmanuel to go and the knockout of uh, Javier Fortune. Uh, Javier Fortuna back in uh, July. But Gervonta Davis, Zan, as you kind of alluded to, a, uh, you know, champion already in multiple weight classes, three weight classes, uh, 28 to no, 26 wins by knockout. Zan, fun fact, Gervonta Tank Davis is only two days older, uh, two days older than I am. That's pretty, that's that's pretty crazy. Does it, does, does it make you wish that you were part of his training camp right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember Zan, uh, his very vicious knockout a uh, few years ago. Yeah, it was in 2020. It was during pandemic time. Where he and uh, Leo Santa Cruz fought for two different weight class championships in the same fight. By the way, that was the first time that I had ever watched Tank Davis because... I don't know if you watched this, but I watched the all access for that fight mm-hmm. three days before it. I'm like, this fight is going to be awesome. I have nothing else to do. I'm going to stay home and watch it. And that fight is what made me become a undetained Davis fan. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I was so excited to see what we, you know, Santa Cruz was going to do. And after Davis beat him, I'm like, this Tank Davis guy is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I, I do. I do remember though watching him in 2017. He fought Pedraza, fought Liam Walsh. He actually, Zan, he was part of the McGregor Mayweather undercard. Mayweather, of course, being his right. Um, he fought Francisco Fonseca. He was the IBF super featherweight champion, but Zan, he got stripped on the scales before that fight because he ended up missing weight. So he good, moved up. Good point. Good point. Yep. De- de- defeated Jesus Celiar and who, uh, Hugo Rodriguez, dominated there. He has held the WBA regular lightweight title, uh, Gervonta Davis, since December, the end of December 2019, right before the pandemic, when he had the last round finish of Eurokis Gamboa. As we mentioned, fought Leo Santa Cruz, uh, <sighs> returned against Mario Barrios, Isaac Cruz, Ronaldo, 
Rolando Romero and Hector Garcia. Yeah, I mean, I get your point, Sam. Like, I can't discredit Ryan Garcia, but the one with the better uh, resume definitely is Tank Davis, who has a lot more going for him in this fight. Uh, the older fighter, the more experienced fighter, three weight class championships already. Uh, their reach is, I, I mean, Garcia has a little bit more of a height and reach to him, but I think Gervonta Tavis has, you know, a little more talent under his belt. I think for Ryan Garcia, this is going to be one of these fights, Zan, where it'll be a good experience for him, you know, and he could have the potential. You know, he is one of the best, you know, youngest guys in box, young guys in boxing that people have their eye on. But I think this is going to be a learning experience, but he's not going to be any match for Tank Davis. I mm-hmm. say Tank Davis, I don't know if I go as early as eight rounds. I think uh, I think, uh, I think, think Garcia can go to the nine for ten. I th- I'd say around ten round uh, TKO for Tank. Okay, that's a solid prediction. Um, I mean, does this fight to you, this is just more of a general question, because it does, to me, I, I wonder if you feel the same way. Does this fight have a have a huge fight feel to it because to me this feels like a really big title fight that boxing's needed for quite a few years now and now they're finally getting it. What do you what do you think? I wish I just wish there was a little more promote like I've seen more more promotion in some of these fights, but I still feel like the kind of level that it should be at that you're saying, Zan, there should still be a little more for it. Interesting. I, I could see that too. Um, for those of you who don't know, it is going to be airing on three different platforms in the United States. You have the Premier Boxing Champions feed, which is Fox Sports. You have the DAZN broadcast. More to the mic, we're going to be broadcasted by Todd Grisham. And then, of course, you have the Showtime broadcast with Mara Ronello and the gang. So you have three different ways you can purchase this fight. Um, it'll be it'll be available on pay-per-view in select territories, including Canada and New Zealand. And then, of course, for most of the rest of the world, you can get it with your own DAZN subscription on DAZN Global free of charge. And for those of you with uh, DAZN subscriptions, you can get it for $60, whereas if you don't have a DAZN subscription, you can get it for around $90, taxes and fees included. So there's a little bit of a rundown for how you can get the pay-per-view on Saturday. And, of course, we can't forget our old friend, in-demand pay-per-view. So if you want to go the old school way in order through your television, you can do that as well. The prelims will be will be before that at I believe probably five thirty or six PM Eastern somewhere somewhere around there. I'm kinda curious, Dan, if you order through the television service, you know, the you know, the in demand pay per view, are you gonna get the showtime feed or are you gonna get the premier boxing champions feed? Good question. I think it depends on whatever the name on the guide uh says. Because I've I've seen it before where it'll say like DAZN or PBC, so I don't I don't I don't know. But if I were to guess, you'd probably get the Showtime feed. But that's just that's just a guess. That that's my guess too. I'm trying to see, uh, you know, as you said, uh, live on everything is saying Showtime pay per view. Even the PBS press release says Showtime pay per view. So I assume it's going to be the Morrow feed for in demand. Oh really? Okay. Even though it's even though it's also on on Fox Sports and the Zone, to you, you think it's gonna be Showtime? I think it's probably gonna be the Showtime feed, but okay. but, but but I mean, 
I mean, I'm, as we talked about before, since we have the DAZN subscriptions, I'd probably just watch it through the DAZN feed with the Todd Grisham commentary. Well said, yep. I'm, I, I, it's weird. I, you know, I like, I really enjoy Morrow. I like the PVC guys, but like Todd Grisham, I know it doesn't, he doesn't sound like the most appealing kind of third of the voices, but I mean, you know, I'm fine with him. Maybe that's because, you know, I watched him in WWE growing up, commentating the shows like Sunday Night Eat and such. But, you know, I, I don't find him, you know, I don't find him bad. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't either. If I'm going to watch a big boxing match, though, I always listen to Rondello and Bernstein. And, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Rondello yeah. and Bernstein kind of are the classic. And I say classic right now considering, you know, HBO boxing was always a classic, but ever since 2018, sadly, we've had no HBO boxing. Right. I mean, this does feel like a fight where you could use Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman calling it. But now since that boxing has gone a little bit more of the celebrity route, I think Jim Lampley is more than happy to be out of the business. And he's even stated publicly that he doesn't really like some of the directions that this sport is going. But that's neither here nor there. Nonetheless, Mm -hmm. you do have a lot of different ways to watch it on pay-per-view um you can also of course be there but i wanted to mention something i got a i got this wild um press release regarding regarding the fight itself uh and oh yeah here it is tank davis versus ryan garcia is the highest price fight in 2023 with an average of five thousand eight hundred and sixty two dollars if you want a real premium seat So yeah, if you haven't if you haven't uh, you haven't gotten a ticket to this fight for anyone listening, you're probably uh, you're probably SOL. But if you are in Vegas, there probably will, will be several different places that will be showing it. It's just a matter of where. But just to give you some context, these ticket prices are pretty darn massive if you're not a member of the media this weekend, uh, so so to speak. Yeah, for sure. But should be a really good fight. Should be probably the fight of the weekend. Although, Zan, we do have some MMA in the mix. We've got, I mentioned the term Big Kahunas. So we got back-to-back cards, Zan, of Bellator this weekend. It's that time of year, Zan, where Bellator does Friday-Saturday cards in Hawaii, and it begins with the Friday card, the Bellator Salute the Troops annual card. And headlining this year's card, Zan will, actually, I think she headlined last year's Salute the Troops, too, was the veteran Liz Carmouche, who defends the flyweight championship against Deanna Bennett. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you think that this is this is one of those fights where if Deanna Bennett wins, are, are we talking about her as one of the best uh, flyweights in Bellator history? Potentially, although then I don't know how much of a chance I give in her in this bout. I thought. Maybe Carmouche would have dropped back the flyweight championship in the rematch with Velasquez, but Carmouche retained in there. And I think Carmouche, then is starting to basically take the same kind of helm that Alima uh, Lay McFarland previously had with the women's flyweight title in Bellator. I, I could see that as well. Um, I mean, in your in your opinion, um, I mean, I mean, is this fight going to live up to the billing? In in your uh, in your opinion. I don't know. That's the thing. I think I think it could be competitive, 
but I still could see 48-47 or 49-46 in Carmouche's favor. I could see that too. I, I would go more so 50-45. That would be that would be my prediction. Yeah, I think Carmouche is just she's found a home. Let's put it that way. You know, she challenged for the she was in the very first women's uh fight in the UFC, but of course she came close to beating Rousey. She probably could have gotten the finish, but Rousey fought out of it. And after that, you know, just little ups and downs, unsuccessful in that last fight in the UFC against Valentina Shevchenko for their flyweight title. But ever since, uh, ever ever since she was able to beat Velasquez, Liz Carmouche has had a pretty good helm on the 125 pound division in Bellator. Uh, no doubt about it. But of course, Zan. The next night is the big Bellator night. It's the fight that I've been looking forward to for a while. If it wasn't for Tank versus Garcia, it would be the fight of any fight weekend, Zan. The Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix Final. The interim Bantamweight title on the line. Rafion Stotts taking on Patchy Mix. The winner to meet the winner of Patricio Pitbull versus Sergio Pettis in an undisputed title fight at some point in the future. Rafion Stotts, uh, obviously becoming the interim champion very early on in this tournament. Patchy Mix uh, in 2020 came very close, Zan, to becoming Bantamweight champion. Had a 2-0 lead against Juan Archuleta in their tw- September 2020 fight for the Venn vacant title until Juan Archuleta pulled off the reverse sweep, essentially, and scored the last three rounds to win that championship. Yeah, um... So I have to ask you this. Um, this feels like th- this feels like a fight that has been highly anticipated. Obviously, it is. I mean, in your in your opinion, when you look at Bellator history, where in your opinion does this rank in one of the biggest Bellator fights in the history of the promotion? Because to me, this feels like one of those that you would put on a top ten list, and you would put it pretty darn high, assuming that this fight delivers as we think it should. Yeah, I I have been on record, Zan, of saying, like, it's kind of funny how we have all this hype for this fight. We've had all the hype, Zan, uh, back in even November with Rafion Stotts versus Danny Sabatella, which, uh, you know, you remember doing their little press conference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fight and everything, but it was a semifinal bout. And it's, again, Zan, as we alluded to that fight and alluded to this fight, it's for an interim championship it's not for the undisputed which you know is kind of showcases Zan number really just I can't even say number one just it's one reason that the 135 pound weight class in MMA is probably the most has the most depth and the most talent and Zan dare I say Bellator might have the UFC's number on bantamweight as of right now well it's a bold statement but um I can tell you this, it would make our good friend Michael Fidel very proud that you are that you are saying this right now. Um, I'm actually picking um Rafian Stotts to win this fight. I think he's gonna do it inside the fourth round. I actually think he's I think he gasses out Mix and he stops him. And I think it sets up a colossal fight for whoever wins on uh June 16th. But let me tell you what, no matter who wins this fight, I think it's gonna be a banger and I think it's gonna over deliver. And I think if you're a hardcore MMA fan who doesn't know a ton about Bellator but wants to see a great fight, this is a this is must watch TV in my opinion on 
All right, we have to see the fight just to see how this Grand Prix uh, shakes out in the end, and this is one of the pieces to that Bantamweight puzzle, if you will. For sure. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, Rafion, uh, Rafion tires out mix. I don't know if they get, he gets a finish, but this is definitely going to be a Rafion victory. This is going to establish Rafion as a guy to beat at Bantamweight. Um, yeah, I mean, if you haven't considered Rafion that already, I... And it kind of goes back to the point that we made, Sam. We were discussing that June Bellator card. Like, obviously, maybe you feel a little bit gypped if you're the winner of this fight because oh, the, plan sure. was, the plan was you were going to fight Sergio Pettis. And then all of a sudden, Bellator comes and says, oh, we're going to make Sergio versus Patricio Pitbull to try to make Patricio, you know, the first three-division champion in Bellator history. Obviously, not simultaneously, but... You know, but I mean, it, got, it also goes to the point where we had in that conversation of, I mean, Patricio Pitbull being the face of Bellator MMA historically and maybe even still to this day, that might be a much better, better draw of a fight for whoever wins this fight than a Sergio Pettis showdown. But I will say this, though, uh, tooting my own horn a little bit, I guess, um, A, going to... Uh, a, looking ahead to Bellator 297, at least what this does guarantee is the winner of this fight will get a front row seat at Windrust Arena to see who they will be competing against next, which means they can see firsthand their fate potentially be decided on the night of June 16th to see you know, if they really have a chance. I think any way you slice and dice the final four of who it ends up being, it's going to be absolute, it's going to be fireworks. No doubt about it. For sure. And, I mean, yeah, I could see, Zan, that means whoever wins this fight after the winner of um, Sergio Perez versus Patricio gets their hand raised and the belt placed around them, one of these guys is entering the cage. Yeah, that would be a surreal experience um, for me just because I've never seen an in-the-cage face-off, like, really up close. So that'll be that'll be really cool regardless of who it is. And, it, and, and, if, you're a, and if you're a Bellator fan... In my opinion, it's the best time in the history of the Scott Coker era to be one because this Bantamweight division is just fantastic. So there you go. And uh, it'll make my job uh, fun just because I'll get to I'll get to worry about the mess that is the Bantamweight rankings when this is when this is all over. So, oh, yes. You're going to have fun with that one. <laughs> oh, that's for that's for, for sure. And I think no matter who I rank number one, I may get a. I may get uh, I may get criticized heavily, or I may get praised. We'll see. M- MMA Twitter can be a nasty place sometimes, but uh, oh, yes, absolutely. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what I come up with, depending on who's in the championship. Nonetheless, those are the two Bellator cards this weekend. Now we're going to move back stateside to Las Vegas for another UFC Vegas event. This time, headlined by the oh. Sergey Pavlovich. I'm so happy we're at the apex. <laughs> And of course, it's at the apex. Of course, it is. Um, Sergey Pavlovich versus Curtis Blades. Well, I mean, Zan, you can say the winner of this fight might uh, stake their claim for being next in line for either Jones or Stipe. Yeah, that's true. And as much as I am a Curtis Blades fan, as much as I am from Chicago, I think Pavlovich is going to out wrestle him, and I actually think he's going to win a decision. What do you What do you think? I'm going to second that. Pavlovich by decision. Uh, I, I'm, I'm certain, Zan, the UFC also might be hoping for Pavlovich to win this fight. 
Uh, yeah, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, yes. Is they, they're probably, uh, yeah, I mean, Curtis Blades, his striking power is, uh, is something. And if he gets in there with Stipe or Jones, uh, uh, yeah, let's just say, let's just say who knows. Um, if, if, if Curtis Blades beats Sergey Pavlovich, because you already know that if, if Curtis Blades wins that fight, he's going to be clamoring for a title shot as he has been for the last three years now. He's going to beg and plead for it for as long as he possibly can. And he may not get it right away, but, uh, oh. he's going to, he, he's going to keep trying as hard, as hard as he can. Curtis Blades is one of those guys where, where it's like, He's right there. He's so close, and he just he can he can feel it. He can even taste it. And he, he can't. He, it's just like <laughs> it's just like over and over and over again. That I don't know. If I I can't call him. I can't call him quadruple A because he hasn't only lost to the champion, but he might be triple A. Yeah, he, he yeah, he's always right there. And if he loses this one. He may not get back into the same position, arguably again for the remainder of his career. Uh, um, the, what's the expression saying? The bridesmaid, never the bride. Uh, yeah, that is the expression for sure. That's the only fight worthy of talking about on UFC Vegas seventy-one. We're sorry to everyone else who's competing. It's just, in our humble opinion, uh, the UFC is low on the total pool in terms of uh, events this weekend. But we will go full force for the UFC's new main event next weekend, which should be very, very exciting because uh, once that once that fight was announced, I think you and I were jumping for joy a little bit because there's no way that the April 29th main event um, with Sarge Yudong is going to be, is going to be boring. I can say, I can say no, that. For sure. And that concludes this edition of the MMA Outsiders. So just to reiterate, those of you who are listening on our uh, audio only podcast, podcast platforms make sure to check out the video feed of the show at youtube.com slash etv network those of you who are watching on the video feed uh make sure you hit that like button make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the empty the bench network uh also make sure to check out the audio only feeds available on spotify and apple Podcasts and acast and so much more make sure to like uh like and follow the show across your social media pages facebook twitter and instagram at mma outsiders etb and don't forget to also follow the network, the Empty Adventure Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at ETB Network. That is Zambando, my co-host and the newest member of the Bellator Rankings Committee. Find his work over at BJPen.com. Follow him on Twitter at Zambando99. I am Tom Albano. You can find my work over at Fansided MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Thomas J. Albano. And, yeah, I think I've hit on everything. So, Zan, action-packed weekend. This should be a lot of big fun. Can't wait to talk, can't wait to talk about it all and review it next week. Oh, absolutely! And again, we just wanted to give a shout out to everyone on Twitter this past weekend for interacting with all of our tweets during UFC Kansas City and kind of skyrocketing our Twitter a little bit. We appreciate each and every and every last one of you. We appreciate you tuning in on the MMA Twitter sphere and, again, and everyone who checked out your interview with Long Long Song last week. Yeah, thank you to the those who who listened and or watched that exclusive. That should be a thrill when he competes on um a fifth against Fan Wrong in Colorado. We'll be getting more of those exclusives in the future from one championship Bellator and PFL. We hope, but until then, 
Thanks again for tuning in to yet another edition of the MMA Outsiders. And of course, this has been episode 34. We'll be back with a whole lot more next week. And again, we thank you guys for tuning in. And of course, before we get out of here, as we always say every single week, be Joe Pfeiffer. Be Joe Pfeiffer. Yes. All right. That's Zan. I'm Tom. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone, and enjoy the fights. We'll see you back here same time, same place, and uh, thanks again.